Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, a number of topics were covered by SaskAgToday.com Chief Agricultural Editor Kevin Hirsch on Friday's SaskAgToday.com Roundtable. We'll hear what he has to say about a number of the different uh, items that are going on in agriculture over the past week. Meanwhile, in its latest report, Farm Credit Canada is projecting sales of new farm equipment in 2024 to slow down. We'll hear from senior economist Lee Anderson. The general manager of Manitoba Pork is encouraging farmers to ask the right questions of government. Cam Dahl will be a guest on today's program. All of those stories and much more on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A number of topics were covered by saskagtoday.com Chief Agricultural Editor Kevin Hirsch on Friday's saskagtoday.com Roundtable. He first talked about the Saskatchewan Grasshopper Forecast Map for next year. I, I appreciate all the work that that's goes into this, and, and there's a lot of uh, adult grasshopper counts go into this. I, I think it's a couple in each uh, rural municipality. But last year at this time, the, the grasshopper forecast map, basically they're forecasting next year's population based on their count of adult hoppers in, in, the, in the fall period. It, in my opinion, missed the mark. The grasshopper problem was far worse over a much broader area last year. And I fear that uh, the same situation is happening this year. Yes, they show some hot spots, but they also show uh, lots of areas of moderate or light infestations that had, I thought, a, thought a pretty significant problem with grasshoppers this year. So maybe a, a Mother Nature will help us out and we'll get a a uh, wet spring and the crops will get off to a good start and then grasshopper development will be uh, retarded somewhat and, and we'll, we'll not have a big problem with grasshoppers. But I fear that the grasshopper forecast map is again underestimating the extent and severity of the potential problem. He also wasn't surprised that Saskatchewan's mid-year financial report showed that the province had to pay out a lot of money due to crop insurance payments to farmers. I, I appreciate all the work that that's goes into this, and, and there's a lot of uh, adult grasshopper counts. 
Yeah, I, I do agree with the provincial government that uh, predicting a drought in advance is, is very difficult. And a lot of the crops actually got off to, in many areas, uh, got off to a decent start this spring. So by the time you're, you're making your projections, you kind of have to assume average rainfall because you can't predict what the weather is going to be. And so I, I do uh, have some sympathy. What I don't quite understand is the accounting principles, because from a from a crop insurance point of view, uh, producers put in premium, both levels of government put in premium. You know, over the long term, it has to be actuarially sound, but it, it fluctuates up and down as to whether you're paying out more than you're bringing in or whether you're bringing in more than you're paying out. So I'm somewhat surprised that they attribute the, the payments to each year individually. I would have thought that they would just attribute what the government's contributed in premiums, that that would be the budgeted amount. But I, I have to confess, I don't entirely understand uh, the, the budgeting procedures and, and how they attribute uh, crop insurance payouts. Hirsch then touched on the Water Security Agency's freeze-up report. One thing to watch too at some point I suspect that there will be a uh, fall uh, subsoil moisture map uh, published and that, that really takes into account rainfall after harvest and how much is stored in the ground and if you look at some of the precipitation levels in say September onward uh, the, some of that dry southern part of the province uh, has actually done better than some of the central and northern areas so it'll be interesting when the, the, the subsoil moisture map comes out as well. He added that he's concerned about the recent lower grain and oilseed prices. Uh, nobody seems to be able to predict what's going to happen with a lot of these markets, but they, you know, there's a bit of up and down, but a lot of stuff is pretty soft. Wheat is pretty soft. Uh, Durham is pretty soft. Canola is, you know, now and then rallies, but has, has softened back down. Hirsch noted that Bill C-234 the bill that would exempt propane and natural gas from the federal carbon tax used for grain drying and for heating and cooling barns and greenhouses still hasn't passed third reading in the Senate. Uh, nobody seems to be able to predict what's going to... I don't think I ever recall a time when there was so much gamesmanship in the Senate. We're used to it in the House of Commons, but usually when something passes through the House of Commons to the Senate, which is supposed to be the, the sober second thought on things. And sometimes they'll send it back to the House of Commons with what they see as some useful amendments. But in this case, I, I don't ever recall seeing so much gamesmanship in the Senate. And, and the, if this continues, this may in fact uh, stall this bill till, uh, to oblivion again. So it's... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that the, the government is winning very many friends in the ag community by their handling of this. He thinks the Senate seems to be overstepping its power. Well, and, and the Senate might, you know, sometimes has a useful amendment, but really by the amendments they've been proposing and then re-proposing, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're really killing much of the intent of the original bill that was passed in the House of Commons. So it's very, very... Uh, I think I, it's to me it's very troubling to see. And Hirsch also talked about the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan's annual general meeting in Regina this week. It's taken a long time, but little by little, APAS is really becoming uh, the main voice for agriculture in Saskatchewan. I would suspect 
at least that would be my view. Like I'm, I'm old enough. I can remember when Saskatchewan wheat pool was the main voice. Uh, and then we've got many voices. We've got National Farmers Union. We've got Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. There's all sorts of, and then the crop commissions, uh, especially the major crop commissions are, are playing a role. But in many instances, the major crop commissions like Sask Wheat, Sask Canola, Sask Pulse, sometimes get together with APAS on certain issues to issue statements. So it's taken a long time and not all rural municipalities are part of APAS, but I would suggest that uh, despite struggles for many years to be relevant, that uh, EPAS is getting there. I'm actually quite impressed with uh, some of the progress they've made. Kevin Hirsch is the Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94. Agri-Review. Canadian farmers will harvest more wheat and canola than was expected several months ago as crops rallied from dry conditions that threatened yields. Statistics Canada's crop estimates tend to increase in the annual December report, but the agency's raised estimate for all wheat production surpassed industry expectations. Global wheat ending stocks have fallen four years in a row, with Canada's drought and heavy rain in Australia tightening this year's supplies, offset somewhat by a big Russian harvest. Canada is the world's fourth largest wheat exporter and the biggest canola exporter. Statistics Canada estimated all wheat production at 32 million metric tons, the second lowest in six years, but an increase from its September estimate of 29.8 million. Farmers produced 18.3 million metric tons of canola, up from 17.4 million in the previous report, but down 2% from last year. Stats Canada's estimate matched the average trade guess. Spring wheat bids in western Canada were mixed during the weekend at Friday, as futures in the United States hit contract lows before bouncing higher and strength in the Canadian dollar cut into basis levels. Average Canada Western Red Spring at 13.5% wheat prices were down by $1.60 to $2.40 per metric ton across the prairies, according to price quotes from a cross-section of delivery points compiled by price and data quotes. Average prices ranged from $321.80 per metric ton in northeastern Saskatchewan to as high as $346.60 per metric ton in southern Alberta. Canada Prairie Spring Red wheat bids were up by $3 to $7.60 per ton, with prices ranging from $274.20 to $290.90 per metric ton. Average Durham prices were down by $2.30 to $4.70 per metric ton. Prices ranged from $455 to $465.20 per metric ton. A Winnipeg pea and canola protein processor in receivership since the spring remains mothballed for now with no firm buyer, but has paid off one of its three secured creditors. Merit Functional Foods, which entered receivership March 1st after just two years' operation, has sold all its remaining finished and raw inventory and directed much of the proceeds toward full repayment of its debt to its operating lender, CIBC. 
That's according to the latest report from Merritt's court-appointed receiver, PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC, which it said in its November 14th filing that the sale process it launched March 13th has not yet led to an executed purchase agreement. PwC's November 14th report included a supplemental document laying out the details of the sale process so far, but that supplement was ordered sealed in a November 23rd ruling by Court of King's Bench Judge Chris Martin in Winnipeg. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 96% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 17, a modest decline from the 99% order fulfillment performance seen the previous week. However, on a combined basis, it remained above the 90% performance threshold for the fifth consecutive week, having averaged 95% order fulfillment on a weekly basis over that time period. The decline in performance reflects a deterioration in performance for each of CN and CPKC, although more notably CN. In supplying 93% of cars ordered by shippers in week 17, CN saw performance decline from the 99% order of fulfillment performance they posted in week 16. CN performance remains above the 90% performance threshold for the second consecutive week and fourth time in the last five weeks. CPKC performance declined very slightly, with the railway supplying 98% of shipper orders in week 17 as compared to the 99% order fulfillment performance in week 16. CPKC performance remains above the 90% threshold for the sixth consecutive week. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says it has detected the presence of avian influenza at a Chilliwack, B.C. commercial poultry operation. It's now the 50th B.C. location where the contagious viral infection has been detected at commercial or backyard bird operations since October. Commonly known as bird flu, avian influenza can affect several species of food producing birds, as well as pet birds and wild birds. More than 5 million birds have been culled since the outbreak. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and minus 8 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. In its latest report, Farm Credit Canada is projecting sales of new farm equipment in 2024 to slow down. Senior economist Lee Anderson says it's driven by high interest rates, increased equipment prices, a decline in commodity prices, drought in Western Canada, and tighter revenues in the livestock sectors. A chart looking at equipment sales growth shows four-wheel drive tractors and agricultural implements, such as air drills, as the only equipment types expected to have positive gains next year. The low inventories that we had the last few years and delays in equipment deliveries from manufacturers, some of that is reflected in the stronger growth for four-wheel drive tractors and egg implements, such as uh, air drills and stuff. Some of them, previous years, we had delays in deliveries, and that's kind of a spillover to still into 2024. Most of the supply chains have fully recovered, but some of the strong sales are still in 2024. 
kind of are reflected from previous issues. The age of farm equipment is another factor. That's one of the factors that we're saying is kind of on the radar to watch, given a potential slowdown in equipment sales. That from our analysis, if you look back over the sales over the last 10, 15 years, uh, relative to sales the last five years, it's been the age of the equipment could potentially be getting older. So we're saying that maybe this is something to watch, that given the age of equipment, that a slowdown could be potentially short-lived. Anderson also says inflation and interest rates will influence farmers' plans to replace used equipment. They might push that equipment out longer when they're going to replace it as they wait for interest rates to maybe stabilize or fall. So that kind of that impacts, their, of course, their cash flow for uh, making new purchases. On the flip side, a lot of cash has gone into a lot of deals that we've heard in the industry lately, and that's driven by strong profitability over the last few years. And that brings us to another point to monitor for in 2024 is, you know, commodity prices and farm revenue. Those are strong um, drivers of farm equipment uh, sales is what farm revenue uh, does. And now while we just said commodity prices have come down, 2022 was, you know, very good year for a lot of uh, grain and oilseed producers in Western Canada. And same with the revenue that we've had. The first half of 2023 has been also strong. So this placed a lot of producers in a strong financial position to absorb higher interest rates and equipment prices. Anderson believes the strong financial position some farmers were in this year will carry over to next year. Also what we're hearing, you know, there was drought in Western Canada and there's some areas that were, of course, get really bad, but there's some areas that we are hearing that crops were better than expected, which could support, you know, some stronger farm revenue than expected into 2024. He says the report is available online on the FCC website for farmers to check out. They can use it for their own decision making and thinking of their own cost for replacing equipment, whether that's to hang on to equipment longer, considering sometimes those repair costs that go with it, or if they should replace with new or even when they upgrade into you know, maybe something that's used as well. They can think about that in their own, what works best on their operation. Lee Anderson is a senior economist with Farm Credit Canada. The 2024 outlook for Canadian farm equipment market can be found on their website. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 166.82 this hour. That's down 230. April live cattle trading at 169.40, down 2.22. January feeder cattle trading at 210.25, down 4.17. March feeder cattle trading at 2.13, even, down 4.22. February lean hogs trading at 70.55, up 45. April lean hogs trading at 77.12 up 75. And that's the livestock market conditions. The general manager of Manitoba Pork is encouraging farmers to ask the right questions of government. Cam Dahl says the provincial and federal governments need to be fighting to make sure our trade corridors, whether to the U.S. or around the world, 
are not arbitrarily being closed. One is, of, of course, we're, we have a new government in, in Manitoba, so uh, now is, is a good time to, to really ask those, those fundamental strategic questions of, of what do we really need to, to see from a, from a policy creation uh, perspective and, and a legislation creation perspective uh, from, from the, the new government. And the, the second reason why it's relevant is, is the title is the uncertain world is we're we're really seeing uh, you know protectionism rise around the world uh, proposition 12 and country of origin labeling in the US are are just two examples but they're not the they're not the only examples so uh, we're a, we're a trading province and uh, so uh, you know that that rising protectionism is a, is a real threat to, threat to us and and then of course we're we're seeing significant uncertainty politically in the world as well and that's having having real impacts on on markets uh as well as uh you know um, just just our ability to to uh, to access markets globally and uh, you know how the supply chains are, are functioning all those kinds of things that are creating uncertainty so uh it's even more important today uh that uh, government get uh, get the policies right around things like like trade and and science-based regulation he outlines what governments need to be aware of. Well, I, I think the first starting point for me is just the recognition of how important agriculture is to is to Manitoba and, and the Canadian economy. Just, you know, the, the hog sector alone contributes over 22,000 jobs and uh, $2.3 billion to, to the Manitoba's e- economy every year. And so a recognition that agriculture is a key driver of jobs in the economy in Manitoba. And, and what that will do is is ensure that that all cabinet ministers um you know whether the you're the labor minister or the trade minister or the environment minister will will be asked to consider uh the impacts on agriculture when coming forward with policy um it's not just it's not just a rural industry um it's not just uh uh you know something that that the minister of agriculture should be concerned about but but really the the entire cabinet should be should be looking at um, potential impacts of on agriculture from from policies they bring forward. So that's that's just the starting point is is that recognition that agriculture is is a critical driver of of our of our economy. Dahl explains what farmers should be asking of governments themselves. Well, I, I think that's where we get to some of those those policies around. Uh, you know, trade. Um, we need to be fighting both the provincial and federal governments to uh, to make sure that our trade corridors uh, stay open, whether they're the U.S. Uh, or or around the world, and that we we're not arbitrarily seeing seeing our our trade trade corridors closed. And you know, we've we've spent 30 years negotiating new trade agreements, whether they're the the TPP or or NAFTA, or uh, you know, agreements with Europe. Canada is one of the most connected countries in the world. Uh, but now, with with protectionism rising, we need to fight to make sure those agreements work. Um, and you know, an example is is the fact that our trade agreement with Europe has had no benefit for agriculture uh, because the European Union is using non tariff trade barriers to keep our products out. Uh, well, we should be fighting those kinds of things, and and that should be, 
you know, one of the things that is top of mind for our, our trade minister and our agriculture minister is, again, the uh, the whole of government here in Manitoba. And and second, what we really need, it need to ensure is that when there are new policies or new regulations brought forward, that they're based on strong science, uh, not just the latest trend on the Internet, uh, and that they're developed in consultation with farmers. I, I think that that's, again, one of those key fundamental issues is, is uh, no surprises not to have uh, not to have new regulations or legislation or policy come forward out of the blue uh, that we can talk about them um, before they're introduced and you know in, ensure that that well government's objectives and policies are being met that they're they're being met in a way that helps helps improve farmers long-term fiscal sustainability and not harm it as for provincial governments he describes the key factors they need to consider moving forward. Well, I, I, I think those, you know, highlighting those key areas is is really critical for 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 our provincial government is is that uh, you know recognition of the importance of agriculture to to Manitoba and to the jobs jobs in Winnipeg and Brandon and Nipawa. It's it's not just jobs in rural areas. So that uh, that recognition of the importance, that commitment to uh, developing policy and legislation in collaboration with farmers so that we can get those win-win scenarios and and not have confrontations like we've we've seen in the in the past uh, and a commitment to to science-based uh, regulations instead of uh, you know something that's coming off the, the latest internet trend uh, and and then the the final key key area is 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 really to to focus on trade and uh, I'm I'm pleased with the the importance that the the new government is placing on trade. Dahl then talks about the key factors the federal government needs to consider moving forward. Well, I would I would put put the the list is going to be very very similar and um, you know especially on things like trade um, you know pushing back on on the European Union's non-tariff trade barriers, uh, pushing back on things like Proposition 12 or uh, country of origin labeling in the U.S., uh, really fighting to make the trade agreements that we have work to today. I, that, that should, uh, again, not just be a priority for the agriculture minister, but a priority for the entire cabinet. He says there will be serious consequences if governments fail to move forward with sound agricultural policies. Well, if if we we look at again, I'll just look at at pork's contribution to to Manitoba's economy. Um, there are twenty two thousand Manitobans that depend upon the the pork sector for uh, for their their livelihoods, for their jobs. Um, and so, if we don't move forward with strong policy, that's at uh, that's at risk. There's over one hundred eighty million dollars in in taxes that are paid to the provincial government. Well, that would be at Risk, uh, 2.3 billion dollars contribution to uh, to the the economy as a whole. Uh, so there's there's a lot at risk if uh, if we don't get it right and um, the investment that we've seen in in places like Winkler and Brandon and Nipawa and Winnipeg, um, you know, they money can be mobile and and those investments can be made somewhere else and uh, that would be uh, that would be a massive loss for uh, for Manitoba. And Dahl explains how anyone can get more information on Manitoba Pork's position. Well, we'd be happy to uh, happy to take anyone's questions. Uh, info at manitobapork.com is is an email address that will get 
get you uh, get you answers to any questions that you have and and uh, manitobapork.com is is our website so the the article is available there as well and hopefully in your community newspaper Cam Dahl is the general manager of Manitoba Pork. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up in one minute's time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down for the most part this afternoon. January canola trading at 678.70, down a dollar 80. March canola trading at 685 dollars per metric ton, down three dollars 20 cents. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 736 and a half, that's up six and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat. Trading at six fifty nine and a quarter, up twelve and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at six twenty two and a quarter, that's up nineteen and a half cents. March corn trading at four eighty four and three quarters, unchanged. January soybeans trading at thirteen oh four and a half, down twenty and a half cents. March oats trading at 3.93 and a quarter that's up 8 and a half cents and that's the commodities update yeah. welcome back to Saskag today i'm Doug Volkner soil moisture probes assist farmers and agronomists make important decisions based on real time data during the growing season don campbell is a field smart agronomist at western sales in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. We've utilized soil moisture probes for about the last six or seven years and working with the folks at Crop Intelligence, they've been able to develop out a, a tool, which we utilize daily, to be able to identify where the roots are at, how much moisture is being absorbed. Now that we have enough years of data, we've got the ability to be able to, to determine the rooting activity. Is it, a, is it a healthy crop? Is it an unhealthy crop? What's the potential of the crop? Is there an opportunity to do a fungicide more timely? Is there an opportunity to do top dressing? If the conditions persist under years where it's really quite dry, it can certainly encourage us to maybe pull back the bus and not make additional investment if we're looking at conditions that aren't going to be really conducive for good crop health and, and good yield potential. He says they didn't notice any trends. Every field can certainly be different because of weather patterns. There's certain areas where we were making decisions that were far more site-specific than even a matter of a couple of miles away, just based on the way that the weather patterns went through this year, and frankly, the way that our conditions have been in West Central Saskatchewan for the last few years. It's really hard to make large generalized statements. We have utilized the tools in the past for making applications of fungicides where as a total area, there would be no general statement, we need to go out and make a, a fungicide to help prevent sclerotinia spread within a canola field, where we were making those decisions based on field-specific, site-specific information that it was the right decision to be made because the conditions that field had experienced and the potential of the crop was there and what the potential 
was for additional rain meant that we wanted to be able to protect the crop. And so we made those decisions. Campbell explains how the probes work. So we, in, we install the probes shortly after seeding. We like to leave the probes in the ground until almost freeze up so that we can capture after harvest, hopefully fall rains, and see what level of moisture recharge we have within the soil profile, at which point in time we can help make judgments as to what the potential yield is for following year crops. If a soil moisture probe is in a hard red spring wheat field, we'd take it out at the end of October and there's two inches of crop available water in the ground, we can extrapolate from that the amount of, uh, amount of average uh, moisture uh, recharge that we'll get from snow from a 30-year average and incorporate what we could potentially have from 25, 50, 75, 100, 125% of in-season rainfall the following year to get an indication as to what the crop's potential is the following year. And he says the probes let them make alternate plans if necessary. Exactly. So it can help from a planning perspective, fertilizer potential applications, volume of fertilizer required. If there's no soil moisture in the ground and we'll need 150% of winter and in-season rainfall to get to an average uh, potential crop, then applying fertilizer for uh, considerably higher than what that potential is wouldn't necessarily make economic sense. That's Don Campbell. He is a field smart agronomist at Western Sales in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. Farm Bulletin Board. You can now place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation. That is, if you're interested in seeding cultivated land back to native prairie. Place a bid on their reserve auction for an opportunity to receive financial compensation for your restoration project. They say that by restoring grasslands, you increase long-term grazing resources, biodiversity, and reduce habitat fragmentation for species at risk, especially in areas of critical habitat. Now, bidding closes on January 31st of 2024, you can contact the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation to learn more about the reverse auction process as well as how to place a bid. You can go to www.ssgf.ca. You can email them at communications at ssgf.ca or you can just simply phone them at 306-530-1385. Once again, that phone number, 306 306- Five three zero one three eight five, and that's today's farm bulletin board. It's now one o'clock. Time to check the GX ninety four precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny. Winds northwest at ten and a high of minus three. For tonight, mainly clear, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 8, and rising. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds south-southeast at 15 to 25, a high of plus 2, an overnight low of minus 2. For Wednesday, partly sunny, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of plus 3. 
For Thursday, a 60% chance of rain, changing to freezing rain, then snow at night, a high of zero. For Friday, a 60% chance of light snow and flurries, a high of minus 5. In the Paw, it's minus 8 degrees, Swan River minus 10, Dauphin minus 7, Brandon minus 4. Show Lake Russell minus 3, Roblin minus 6. Regina and Indian Head are at minus 2, Saskatoon minus 7, Hudson Bay minus 11, Broadview Mooseman minus 3, Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 5. The Yorkton Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a northwest wind at 5 kilometers an hour. 92% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 8 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 11 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.